Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. We wrap up this series, and I'm just going to warn you, <laughs> today is a little negative at the beginning, all right? So just hang with me, all right? So I'm going to throw a big hook out there for everybody, and just hang with me till the end, because it gets better, but we got to get sick before we get better, okay? Um, to begin, why don't we, just to get an inoculation, let's, um, let's read Psalm 33, verse 22. I want to show that to you, and I'm going to read it out loud, and then I'm going to ask you to read it with me. We don't do a lot of that, but uh, for today's purposes, I think it would be helpful. I'm going to read it, and then, and then I'll ask you to read with me once. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Now, with your really strong church voice, I want to hear you read that with me. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. There is a tension that all of us have faced, are facing, will face, or have faced. The tension of trying to maintain hope in what seems to be a hopelessly broken world. How do you do that? How do you maintain faith? If, you, if you've ever placed your faith in something or someone and that something came crashing down or that someone left, either by their own choice or by circumstances, how do you maintain hope in what seems to be a hopelessly broken world? If you have made promises at a wedding and the promises made back to you were not kept, what do you do? If you were promised something at work, and you went above and beyond the call, and they didn't come through for you, and they didn't deliver on their end of the promise, the opportunity didn't happen, then you understand the tension that I'm talking about. If you have not found yourself managing this tension, you can just hang on because it's coming your way. If you have not found yourself managing a tension of being disappointed or let down, broken, hang on. It's coming. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Have you ever found yourself saying, why try? Why even go? Why study? What's the point? What's the point when I just keep getting treated the same way over and over? It never changes. What's the point of living if, if this is the way it's going to be? What's the point of loving if this is how it's going to turn out? What's the point of committing when commitment seems to mean nothing anymore to anybody? If you've ever found yourself saying something like that, then you have bumped into the inevitable question that everybody is going to ask. And that question is, how do you maintain hope? Why bother in a world that seems hopelessly broken? That's what we're going to talk about today, and, and that's going to wrap up our, our series on hope. And as we get into the discussion today, I want to give you a working definition of hope. Hope is the person or thing in which your expectations are centered. Those are the things that you're leaning into, the things that you are counting on, the person that you have really hinged it all on, that relationship, that group of relationships. That company, that profession, your ability, your athletic ability, your good looks. You've centered your expectations on something. Hope is like a ladder that you 
lean against a wall. And the interesting thing is, we do this and we do it subconsciously. We don't even realize that we're doing it many times. When we're born, what we do is we pretty much lean our ladder against the wall of mom and dad are going to have to take care of me because I can't take care of myself. And so our ladder is pretty much, whether we even realize it or not, leaned against a wall of, you know, mom and dad's ability and willingness to look after me. At some point, and we don't even know that we do this, but at some point we take the ladder off of a specific wall, that wall, and we place it up against another wall, and that wall pretty much is our ability to connect, our ability to um, be able to reach out to people, our good looks, our talent, our ability to maintain relationships. And all of us from time to time in different stages of life, we, we make a decision to lean the ladder of hope into something that we think will support our ambition, our hopes and dreams for the future. And we're never really aware of doing it until it all starts to look hopeless, until what we've leaned our ladder against doesn't hold anymore. We don't even really think about it until that thing, whatever that thing or that person is, suddenly isn't there anymore or it's not rock solid. I thought I could count on it, but I can't count on it. We don't really think about that we've done it that way until that thing is gone. And the sense of hopelessness and despair and helplessness is simply the feeling that I have leaned my ladder of hope against something that's not coming through for me. It's finding out that I'm not going to be able to have kids. And I always thought I would be able to have kids. I've, since I was a little girl, I've thought about, you know, was the day I would be a mom. Or since I was a little boy, I've thought about being a daddy and playing ball with my boy. Or what, whatever that thing is. And then all of a sudden you realize it's not going to happen. Or you realize, I'm, I'm going to be 30 and single. Or you get really, really bad news from a doctor. Or I'm not going to be able to retire. Or nobody's calling when I need this job more than anything in the world. It's only when the thing that we have leaned our ladder against doesn't come through that we begin to experience and think about this whole subject of hope. Otherwise, we just kind of go on day to day and we live life and we keep leaning our ladder against something that we are totally unaware of. It's only when we experience this free fall and realize, you know what, I can't put my hope in that. I, I, can't, I can't trust that. How do I keep going on? How do I keep investing? It's only then that we realize that perhaps we have leaned our ladder against the wrong thing. We all have a ladder of hope. The question is, what is it leaning against? How do we sustain and maintain hope in a world that at times seems hopelessly broken? Now, when you open the Bible, this won't really surprise you a whole lot. We are instructed to place our hope in God, to lean our ladder against Him who has invited us to call Him Father. Now, that, that's not a surprise. You, you didn't come to church today expecting me to say anything other than that. And so I take you back to that verse we read a few minutes ago, May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord even as we put our hope in you. We did a series sometime back called Be Rich, and in that series, Paul is instructing Timothy, who is a young pastor who has some fairly wealthy people in his congregation, and he says, Timothy, you've got to tell those people 
not to lean their ladder against the wall of their success, not to lean the ladder against the wall of their financial gain. You've got to make sure that they understand that's not, you, you, can't, you can't trust an economy to which we would say in our economy, amen, <laughs> amen, can't trust it. But instead, he says, tell them to put their hope in the Lord. That is, move the, la- the ladder from the wall of my wealth is going to get me through to my hope is in Christ Jesus. He says, even the wealthiest, most successful people, <clears throat> you need to be careful not to lean your ladder there, that you only lean your ladder against the wall of the Lord. Now, of course, you would expect a preacher and you would expect the Bible to say that. <clears throat> and you may have been a Christian a long time and you may have believed in God your whole life. And maybe it's, you know, this is your first Sunday in church for a long time. Maybe you're new to the whole thing. But all of us have a real hard time with the idea of putting our hope in the Lord. And the reason we do, and I don't know that we realize this, but the reason we have such a hard time is because we are really, really good at building those walls to put hope in. We're good at it. This is America. We've mastered the art of building the wall that we can put our hope in. Because we believe if we have the right education, we can go as far as we want. How many times have you heard somebody say, you can be whatever you want to be. If you just work hard and have good education, you can do whatever you want to do. The ladder is going to hold. If you're good looking enough, you'll get there. That ladder is going to hold. And if you have the right connections and if you have the right surgery, <laughs> if, you, if you marry well, if you save well, if you're well-disciplined and you stay away from drugs and you do all the things they tell you not to do in school and do all the things they tell you to do in school, if you do all that and if you're really careful, really connected, then there's certainly something in this world that you can lean your ladder up against to have hope in. Surely that's the case. And so we do everything in our power to put our hope in the things that we can control and the things that we can create and the things that we can manipulate and the things that we can manufacture. And if you're a Christian, you say, Dear God, please don't let my ladder fall. Please don't, please don't let this wall that I'm working on fall down. Dear God, give me the wisdom to invest this money the right way. Dear God, please help this company that I'm trying to build, help it to grow into a great company. Dear Lord, please help her to call me back. God, I think I've found a solid place to lean my ladder, and I want you to help me out, and I want you to come through for me. And God says through Scripture and through wise people, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how careful. I don't care how much you work out. I don't care how good of an eater you are and you watch what you eat and all that kind of stuff. At some point, that's a wall that's not going to hold the ladder. At some point, we realize that we are living in a hopelessly broken world and you can try and you can be careful and plan and invest well and get a great education but at some point in your life nothing nothing holds the ladder and thus god says to you and me hey you 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 got to do all this stuff you got to live you got to make a wage 
I want you to build businesses. I want you to have employees. I want you to be a good employee. I want you to have kids. I want you to try and raise them good. I want you to go to church. I want you to have a good, faithful life. I want you to save some money. God's for all that stuff. I'm not suggesting at all that God's against any of those things. God says, you've got to do that. But, but today, understand, you don't want to place your ladder against those walls. Today, I want us to look at a really uh, confusing set of verses. Don't you love it when the preacher tells you this is going to be confusing? Um, this is Romans chapter 8, okay? And, and um, if you read Romans 8 and you say, boy, that's really confusing, it's not a you thing. It's just Paul kind of wrote it in a confusing way, and, and I'm sure it made sense to them. But when we read it, oftentimes Romans 8 can get a little tricky for us. And so in, in this chapter 8, these verses are so rich, but they're pretty deep, and they sometimes are a little confusing. Paul's explaining where our hope should be, which really isn't going to be a surprise to us. But Paul explains the futility for any of us to lean our ladder against our ability to control or predict the future. It's just futile. And in making the case, which I'm just going to warn you in advance, it's a little negative, he comes back around and says, this is why this is so important to put your faith and your hope in the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse 20 is where we'll begin. And he says, here's the deal. He's going to go back and he's going to draw on the book of Genesis and, and this event, this thing we call the fall of man. The fall of man is when sin entered the world. And we, we think about sin, for us, sin is an incident. You know, we, we say things like, well, that was sinful. That's, that was a sin that I did. People ask me from time to time, do you think such and such is a sin? Brett, do you think such and such is a sin? And basically what they're asking me is, can I do that? Whatever that is. Is it bad if I do that? Because we think of sin as something that you do, it's an incident for us. But the Bible views sin as something that is toxic and something that is fatal. And the Bible teaches that when sin entered the world, it entered the world as a fatal disease, and it has impacted everything, relationships, creation, and how relationships and creation have merged. It has affected the animals. It's just affected... Everything in the world was impacted by sin. And it is a disease that has infiltrated the entire creation. It's fatal, which means every living thing dies. And you say, well, that's just, you know, that's the circle of life. I saw Simba and Lion King. That's just, I remember that song. The circle. But Genesis and Scripture teaches and Paul talks about the reason everything in the world dies is because sin has polluted and corrupted everything. So that's the basis of his argument and that's always a bad place to put your hope is in things that are here because according to the Bible those things aren't going to be here for, forever. Romans 8 verse 20 for the creation was subjected to frustration. Whenever you are frustrated know this it's because of sin. When you're frustrated, it's because of sin. The reason you experience the frustrations in the world that you do is because sin has come into the world. You say, why won't those kids fill in the blank? 
Why won't my husband... Why won't that girl call me back? Why won't this, that, or the other? I'm so frustrated. And Paul says, welcome to the world. Since sin has entered the world, God has made the decision. And I'm just telling you, if you can remember this, this will help you a great deal. God has allowed sin to run its course once it's come into the world. That's what you need to know. See, because if you think... If you think anything other than that, you're going to get disappointed and you're going to throw your hands up and you're just going to want to quit. But if you understand that sin entered the world and God said, okay, sin's in the world, I'm going to let it go. And it's going to go, I'm going to let it go like a wave. And it is going to touch everything. Everything will be impacted by sin. Paul said creation was subjected to frustration. That, that sin is going to run its course, for the creation was subjected to frustration. And then you skip to the end of the verse, getting on into verse 21. In hope that the creation itself will be, future tense, will be liberated from its, check out this phrase, from its bondage to decay. That means everything in the world is decaying. I'm not super smart. I, th I think I understand this principle a little bit. I wouldn't purport to know it super well. But there's this thing called the second law of thermodynamics. Another way of saying it is entropy. Yeah, I'm just blowing your mind right now, aren't I? Man, he's second law of thermo. As I understand it, this is what it means. And I'm sure somebody understands this better than me and can help me and enlighten me. But as I understand it, the second law of thermodynamics says that everything is spinning down. That, that you have to put energy into something to keep it going. That's why, so the, the second law of thermodynamics is in effect when you stop to fill up your car for gas. The second law of thermodynamics is in effect when you sit down to eat a meal because you need that meal to keep going. Everything is spinning down and unless something comes and keeps it spinning, it's going to spin down. So, what that translates into for your everyday life is when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you go oh my goodness what is going on what is this that is bondage to decay that's what that is okay <laughs> when you look in the mirror and you don't look the way you did 20 years ago that is bondage to decay I hate to break it to you but that's what it is now, it's kind of funny, it's not real encouraging, but this is the case that he's building. Everything is decaying. That's really what he's saying. Including your relationships, including your wealth. Everything ultimately has the ring, and everything ultimately has the stench of decay. Now, because we're Americans, we're thinking, no way am I going to decay. I'm going to work hard. I'm, I'll get the surgery. I'm going to get educated. I have good genes. I work out. I eat right. People think I look young for my age. And as kids, we just think, don't we? When we're kids, we think, I'm never getting old. When I was in Bible college and playing ball, and I would get out, and, and I got out and had my first youth ministry, and I was young, thin, fast, athletic, and I... 
if you've ever seen me play ball, I just kind of dive all over the place. I'm a, I'm a bloody, muddy mess by the time I get done. And long, early on, I had older guys telling me, Brett, if you keep doing that, you're not going to be able to walk. That's going to catch up to you. And they're right. I mean, it's caught up. I, it's, it's hard to get up and down sometimes. But when I was young, I never dreamed that the day would come that my body would fail me. There are times I'll be going up the steps and my knee will say, no, you're not. No, you're not. You know, you just kind of act like you're going to run up the steps and your body says, no! Bondage to decay. In 1997, Mother Teresa died. What? Mother Teresa died. She can't die. Look at all the good things Mother Teresa did. As much good as she did in the world, do you know what happened to her body? Her precious, tiny, intimidatingly holy, wonderful little body that had this unbelievable smart mind and this heart full of compassion that would make her be so selfless. You know what happened to her body? It died. Hey, if Mother Teresa can't beat the odds, you're not going to beat the odds. And God said, I'm going to let sin run its course and it's going to touch everything. Everything. There aren't many happily ever afters. We pay $10 for a ticket to go see those in the movies. There aren't many happily ever afters. The world is in decay. And we go to the movie because we want it to make us feel good and we want to think, you know, I'm going to live forever and it's just going to be, it's just going to be this great thing. You know, we've all known couples. We have them in this church. They, they show up for church and they're hand in hand. And they just walk and smile at one another like two cows dying in a hailstorm. They are so in love. And, and, you know, and then us younger couples will be walking along and our wives will look at us and hit us on the side and say, Look at that. Why can't we be like that? Look how he's looking at her. And they're the epitome, right? They're, they're what we all aspire to be. And some of you are in this room right now, and you are our example. And you, you, go, you bust through these anniversaries 40 years, 50 years, 60, 65. And, and we just, you know, we're so used to watching you, and you're so in love, and it's so cool, and you smile at one another, and you think, they have lived such a charmed life. That's what I want. And then one of them gets sick. Decay. And they're not there anymore. And you say, what happened? How, it was, what happened to happily ever after? Newsflash. There is no happily ever after on this earth because sin entered the world and it messed every single thing up 
and the world is in decay, you say, Brett, please tell me. Please tell me this is going someplace happy. I didn't come here. It's Labor Day weekend. I didn't have to come this morning. I could have been on a lake. I could have laid in bed. I didn't need to hear this this morning. Please tell me this is going someplace happy. About to turn the corner, okay? We're about to get there. Hang on just a minute. See, the reason that we lean our ladder up against the wrong wall is that we really believe that we can beat the odds. We've, we've bought our own press. We think we can be careful enough and slick enough and cool enough. And after all, we're going to figure it out. That's what humanism is. Humanism says man will figure it out. Well, I got news for you. Every man dies. And Paul's saying, before I give you the good news, you've got to really, really embrace the bad news. And the bad news is you are in bondage to decay. There's no way to beat the odds. He goes on. The creation is in bondage to decay. So, so we have happy birthdays. We have kids, and we, we have a wonderful time with our kids, and we have jobs, and we go on great vacations, and your, your engagement was awesome. You have a wonderful honeymoon, and you have these highlights and mountaintops, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and that's great. Yeah, there's fun and joy. But the movement, the momentum, and the ultimate spiral is to decay. Got to embrace that. And then you come into verse 22 and 23, and I'm not going to read it, but it basically says this tension creates in us this longing for something better. It creates in us this idea that there has to be more. It creates in us this desire to look beyond this life and ask, is there a world where there is a happily ever after? I want that. Is there a world where relationships stay good? Where people get along and it, it forces us to look beyond this world to another world? Verse 24, for in this hope, there's more in this life than this life. In this hope, we won't always be in bondage to decay. That's the hope. In this hope that we will not always be in bondage to decay, we were saved. He's talking to Christians, and he says, when you became a Christian, you became linked to a bigger, better story. But it goes beyond this life. And this is the hope that we're saved to. Go to verse 25, and this is the transition point in his argument. But if we hope for, and what we're hoping for is that thing in us, God, there's, there's got to be something more. If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it, what's the word? Patiently. Patiently. You know what that means? That means we do not give up. We wait for it patiently. Our hope is not in this world. And our hope can't be in this life. Because eventually, that hope is always going to disappoint us. What, if, if you've got your ladder leaned against anything other than God, you're going to end up disappointed. He says, Christian, there's hope. You have something to look forward to. You have something that you need to wait patiently for. Then in verses 26 to 30, he says, God understands your frustration. He understands your disappointment. He understands that your ladder fails you. And God understands that you are so disappointed, sometimes you just groan inside. You don't even have words for how bad it is. It's just, whoa. 
And Paul says God understands that. And because he understands it, his spirit prays for you, which I think is one of the most beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does for us. He prays for you and me. Have you ever been in the pit of despair? I'm talking about hit rock bottom in terms of hopelessness and helplessness. You just feel like, man, there's nothing I can do. This is going nowhere. Do you know what it's like to fall flat on your face and just cry out to God and you don't even have words? It just hurts. I'm just burnt. I'm, I'm spent. I can't believe this is happening this way. I can't believe this is how this feels. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they believe that about me. God. I don't even... And then you come to that place where you're trying to pray and you're trying to express to God and there are no words. You got nothing. God says, I understand that. I understand the pointlessness that you feel. I understand that the world sometimes just seems completely out of control, broken. I understand the sense of isolation that you feel. But the cool thing is the Bible says the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf, prays for us. That there are times that, that the Holy Spirit would say, God, what Brett's trying to say, and he not even, he's not even smart enough to say it. He can't even say it. He's so at the end of his rope but this is what he's trying to say. That's really cool to me that, that God knows I need that. Skipping down to verse 31, he turns a corner. It's going to look up. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? need to hear that again. If God is for us, who can be against us? We just sang that. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? The point being that God becomes the focus of your hope, and as you center your expectations in the love of your heavenly Father, things start to improve for you. You get a different perspective. Suddenly, the stuff that happens in the world doesn't seem to impact you the same way that it used to. He says that is where your hope should be and that hope does not, does not disappoint. Skip to verse 38 for the big ending. If we had a soundtrack playing right now, it would be getting really intense. Da -da. Da -da. For I am convinced. This is a guy that's been imprisoned. He's been beaten. He's been stoned. He's, he's been left for dead in a field. He's been shipwrecked. This is a guy that has seen the worst that the world could offer a Christian in the first century. This is a guy that's been put through it. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, divorce, abandonment, isolation, Bad stuff said about me. Going broke. Losing my job. How am I going to retire? Nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the, what is the word? Love, Love of God. 
that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying, look, you want to put your hope in something secure? You, you want something that's rock solid, that's not going to move, that's going to hang on every single time. You can put the ladder against it. It will hold. If you want to remain hopeful, if you want to maintain hope in a hopelessly broken world, he says, you have got to move your ladder and you've got to lean it up against the wall of the Heavenly Father. You've got to. Because there and only there do you find enduring hope. Now, what does that mean in the meantime? It means, yeah, you do your best. You get up every day and you go to work and you work hard. And you try to save your money and you try to have a good family and you try to be a good husband and a good wife. It means you, you pray and you, you hold on to kingdom values. And you strive for the happily ever after. There's nothing wrong with striving for happily ever after. Not, there's nothing wrong as long as you understand that's spinning down. You're in bondage to decay. It means you love like crazy and when you don't get loved back, you don't lose hope because that's not where your hope was to begin with. It means you serve like crazy and when you don't get served back, you don't lose hope because that's not where your hope was to begin with. You forgive like crazy. But when you don't get forgiven back, you don't lose hope because your hope wasn't in that to begin with. Do your plan. Pursue your ambitions. Of course you do. Do you leverage your talent and your abilities? Absolutely do that. Do you build things? Do you pursue progress? Do you save? Do you love? Do you engage the culture? You absolutely do those things. But as you do all that, do you place your trust in your hard work and your discipline and your ambition and your education? No. That's not where you place your trust. Like Jesus, like the Apostle Paul, like Mother Teresa, you live as if this is all there is and you love like crazy and you do your best to do all you can but at the end of the day you say in spite of all that and along with all that my hope is in God it's not in my ability to make a wage I'm leaning my ladder against God not my ability to make a wage I'm leaning my ladder against God not my good looks not my family not any of that and when you lay in your bed after a perfect day I mean it was the perfect day a bird didn't even poop on your windshield that day. Perfect day. And you're laying in bed. You say, thank you, God. My hope is in you. And when it all goes south, and you didn't get the job, and you got horrible news from a doctor, and, and, and the person that you were counting on didn't come through. And the news wasn't good. And he didn't call me back. And I didn't get into the school that I wanted to go to. You say, God, I'm disappointed. It's really what I wanted. But my hope is in you. Where are you leaning your ladder? Where is your hope? And if it is anywhere other then leaned up against the wall of God. I'm just telling you, you're going to be disappointed. 
you're going to get hurt. I know we don't like to talk about it and think about it, but we live in a hopelessly broken world. And we are the best at building walls. We are the best at building very, what we think are really good, strong walls. But the only wall you can lean a ladder against and know it's going to hold is the wall of God. The only way to maintain your hope in a failing world is in an unfailing God. And if you've walked in here this morning and, you know, you've heard people talk about becoming a Christian and what does that mean and what does that look like, here's what it is, okay? Here's what it is. It's basically, it's not you trying to be good. Get out of your mind the idea of, of I'm a good Christian because I'm good. Because the Bible says you're not very good. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short. Okay, so, so this isn't about how well we perform. This, it's not, that's not what it's about. Do I want you to perform well? Yes, because God gets glory when you perform well. But you're not saved because you perform well. We clear on that? Get that out of your mind. And if you're new to church and you're new to Jesus and you're like, well, I can't come to Jesus. I'm not a very good person. Forget that. None of us are good people. Are you willing to say, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior? And I, I realize after, after maybe hearing this talk, maybe for the first time you've come into a realization, you know what, he's right. Everything that I would lean my ladder against is eventually going to let me down. I need something stronger than that. I'm offering it to you right now. His name is Jesus. And you lean your ladder against the cross. And it will not fail. It will not fail. If you've never done that, you need to do that. And you have the opportunity in just a minute, right after we sing. Let's pray together. God, I give you thanks that you are the place, the wall, the thing that will not let us down. Everything else in this world will. The people we love will let us down, all of us. The things we pursue, the cars we buy, the houses we want, it's all temporal, it's all going to burn, it's not worth leaning a ladder against. Only you. Only you. So, Father, this morning, may we find the humility to really say that out loud, to say it about us, to say, God, yeah, I'm really good at building walls that I think I can lean ladders against. But, Father, this morning, would we hear the clicking sound of our ladder being taken off our wall and leaned up against yours? The only place it'll hold for sure. Help us to hold on, God, to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.